0: This week on At The 55, we break down the OUA quarters, we dig into the semis, and we get the scoop on a little inside information that no one else was privy to. All that and more, let's jump into the action. This is Justice Island, running back number four for McMaster. It's Eric Starzella, starting left tackle for the Guelph Griffins. Dylan Giffen, left tackle for the Western Mustangs. And you're listening to At The 55. At The 55 at the 55. Stay tuned. Best OUA podcast. Okay, let's kick things off with our who's back of the week. Dakota, do you have one ready for us? I think you should go first, Zach. Okay, I'll start us off. My who's back are the Waterloo Warriors in OUA semi-final action. Dakota, thank you so much for crunching the numbers and doing the due diligence on this. Lord knows I wouldn't have been able to figure it out myself, but the last time the Waterloo Warriors were in an OUA semi-final game. Before I give you the year, I'll actually give you some hints. See if you can figure this one out. Some of the top songs on the pop charts included NSYNC, Bye Bye Bye, Eminem, Stan. What else do we got here? Oops, I Did It Again by Britney Spears. Okay, so we're clearly a massive year in music. That's first and foremost. And then some of the top movies from the year. We're looking at Gladiator, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Jungle. Castaway, almost famous. The last time the Waterloo Warriors were in the OUA semifinals was the year 2000, almost two full decades ago. So, who's back? Warriors in the semifinals. You love to see it. Well deserved. We'll get into the, that game out in Ottawa. But, Dakota, that's my who's back. What do you
1: Just have? on that note, my who's back. Coming off a well deserved buy is the Western Mustangs, similar to the stat that uh, you had for Waterloo, where you know they hadn't been or won a game since two thousand. uh the Mustangs haven't missed the playoffs since then. Um, something that <laughs> Waterloo could learn from here. You know, we hope for a great game, but you know where my bias is. So my Western Mustangs are the who's back of the week after, again, a
0: well-deserved break because they went undefeated again. Well, that they did, and uh, we'll hop into that game when we preview the semifinal. But to kick things off, we'll do our review from the quarterfinal action. Which do we go with? Mm, well, they're both at one o'clock. Let's, uh, well, we're talking about Waterloo, so let's go with the Warriors at the GGs. Final score in this game, the Waterloo Warriors 44, the Ottawa Gigi's 21. This game was in the nation's capital. We had Matt Mahler starting at quarterback again for Ottawa. Of course, we know who it was at quarterback for the Warriors, Mr. Trey Ford himself. And despite the outcome, this was a fairly competitive game through... Well, at least the first half. First half. What of- happened, Ottawa? What happened? You can go back to talking, but man, what happened? Well, actually, no. I'll pass it off to you because you had the, uh, you know, you had the guts to to go with Ottawa, and I totally, you know, I, I totally get your line of reasoning that y- you gave. Um, so, from you know, from what you watched here, it, it I, I think this game played out how most people who saw this matchup would have assumed Waterloo putting up points. Ottawa's defense was really tough. They were putting up a good fight, but it but was kind of just, it, it was only so much they could handle until the floodgates kind of just burst open. It was a
1: great first two quarters. I'll give Ottawa that. One point game against, you know, a team that everyone in our studio, except for me, thought was going to walk over them. And And then I don't know who came out in the dressing room in the second half, but that wasn't the Ottawa team that has, you know, been dominating on defense. I didn't again. I didn't expect much on offense, and we didn't get much on offense. You know, they only had twenty one points. But where where were the, where did their defense go? Like, what happened? I I get that. You know, Trey Ford can tire out some teams when he can throw it, he can run it. They got Dion Pellerin that can just hit you in the gut a million times. But it just seemed like they kind of gave up, especially in that fourth quarter. They they were. Defense was kind of nowhere to be found on that.
0: Well, I imagine by that fourth quarter, the game did feel pretty well out of reach. And especially when you throw in the Curtis Gray pick six late in the ball game, there was just, you know, very little help or very little hope, I I should say, left. Um, You know, so many angles to approach this with. I I think the first thing I'll mention, because you talk about Ottawa only getting the 21 points. And realistically, you know, if I did my, uh, my research prior to this, I feel like for Ottawa, given how well their defense has played on a whole this year... Twenty-one points is, and once again, looking at some of the things that have happened with their offense, that have obviously the Bittner uh, injury being being the biggest among them, but some of the things, the reasons that uh, we're, we've been given pause to, to you know, be hesitant with this offense. Twenty-one points with how well this defense plays over the course of the year, you know, should have them in a lot of competitive ball games. One hundred percent. But where I want to give the credit to, because you know I. 21 points you know we don't expect all that much from their offense but Waterloo's defense looked really strong already mentioned the Curtis Gray pick six but in terms of you know what we saw from them as a run defense this is an Ottawa team that especially towards the end of the year when they really started going towards Jordan Berger a lot in the backfield they were putting up good numbers and we've seen in a number of occasions a number of matchups where a lot of running backs through the OUA had their top running games against this Waterloo defense. And on the day they held Berger to only 25 yards. The top runner was Donald Shaw with 65. But he had a one large run towards, I think it was in the fourth quarter. Then it him 34, so over half of those yards on one single run. So I give huge credit to Waterloo's defense in being able to slow down once again, not a gr- not a great offense by any means, but a run game that we definitely saw was really strong. And I have to imagine part of the game plan going into this was probably they have the rookie and Matt Mahler, and there's definitely been a lot of good things they've seen from him. But ultimately, let's let Mahler beat us. And, you know, they have a great receiving court, and we saw Carter Matheson have a really good game. Nine catches, 137 yards, one TD, albeit coming late. In pretty much garbage time. But, you know, they were producing fairly well in the air. So I imagine for Waterloo, they wanted to lock down on the run game, not allowing Ottawa to make this like a just punch it out, like grind it out type of game where, you know, you get like a 25 22 final where sort of anything can happen and then Ottawa might be able to win it, you know? But so, anyhow, I I, want to just tip my cap to, to Waterloo. For for uh, being able to really defensively um, step up because offensively, I don't think that that performance wasn't a surprise. I don't think what for Ottawa for, for, for for Waterloo the that the, the, seeing that the, the numbers like you know it, it's funny that we can just shake off forty four points on any given day <laughs> in a quarterfinal. But you know this is Trey Ford we're talking about. Add on the pick six doesn't necessarily surprise me when we see a, a Waterloo put up those points defensively though. I was very happy with them yeah no i think waterloo's defense definitely
1: stepped up um it, it is funny because you know trey ford puts up almost 230 passing yards and we're like oh man he had an off day um but that's kind of it kind of is a trey ford off day at least in the air obviously putting up over 100 yards on the ground is kind of what you expect from him but you also expect 350 through the air which is the thing that surprises me most again ottawa I, i've been saying they, they have a great defense and with Mahler there, I thought, you know, they, they could have a chance in, you know, a 25-23 type ball game. and But my my thing was, okay, Trey Ford's going to try and take the top off of them. Because that O-line, I'm sorry, that, the D-line is so good, they're mm-hmm. going to be able to, you know, contain Trey Ford, contain Dion But that just didn't seem to be the case there. You know, they held the passing to a respectable amount. You know, you can win a game if you're on defense and only letting two passing touchdowns. You know, you get your pick... Less than 300 passing yards, but then to have running backs and a quarterback running back that can just get up all those yards on you, I expected. I didn't expect that from Otto. I expected a lot more pressure from that D line and a lot more containment from that linebacking core.
0: I totally agree, and you know there was definitely spurts throughout the game where it it looked like they did a really good job of containing Ford. But as you kind of mentioned, there's there's like con, there's containing Ford. And then there's like truly containing him in the sense that you're slowing him down. So even on certain plays where you know they're tackling him for a loss, or Tremaine Steven had the one really great sack uh, early on in the ball game. It's just such a just constant battle trying to slow this guy down, and you know he like he always does, killing him on the ground. And certain and you know having plays where when you know for for Trey he's not necessarily picking up big yardage, but he's just. You know, so elusive that he's running sideline to sideline, evading tacklers, and you know maybe they get him down for a loss, maybe they get him down for a, yard, a gain of only two. But I, you know, I'd have to imagine for a defense, it's still somewhat demoralizing when you're constantly just yeah, both both men, them down. both
1: mentally and physically, it's tiring. Oh, absolutely. You know, you one as a, as the a D line, I can't speak to it because I'm pretty much half their size, but <laughs> you know, running east and west for. 10 seconds, you don't expect that for a D-line, you know, plays for them usually last about five to six seconds from the snap of the ball to them hitting somebody, but then also the fact that, you know, getting your confidence shook a little bit by not being able to bring down this elusive man, it's, yeah, I can only imagine it, Yeah, one tires you out physically, and that's maybe why it it wasn't so present, like, their defensive force wasn't so present in the third and fourth quarter, but also just you get it in your own head and football is it's it's such a cliche saying it's 90 percent mental but it really is is you know go out there and do your job you know what you're supposed to do and you know once you kind of get off track you slowing down mentally or physically is going to affect the other players there and then kind of collapse in on itself and you know I know we were talking in our, in our group chat saying what is happening with Ottawa in this fourth quarter it just <laughs> seemed like they kind of just gave up not playing wise but just they were they were beat somewhere again either physically or mentally you could
0: feel like the air was sort of taken yeah out exactly 100 percent. but as we've both touched on this was for a large portion well if, if only the first half a very tight game one point ball game and i think a really massive turning point and maybe this has to do with a bit of not to say that ottawa as a whole as a young team but when you just look at that qb position and how important that is and how that energy that, that one person puts out can affect the rest of the guys and you know I can't speak to what that huddle was like. But we had a a situation early in in the third quarter with, as you said, Ottawa trailing by one where they're driving down the field and they're in field goal position. And Mahler's going for a shot corner end zone, overthrows his man, Deshaun Jupiter Dean's there for probably one of the easier picks he's had in his career. And then on the following drive that leads to, I forget who scores, I think it might have been a Trey Ford touchdown or Trinowski, but leads to them. So you have a situation where, I mean, obviously if Mahler connects with his man in the end zone, that's six, ultimately probably seven, and then you're up six in that situation. But even without that, if that ball falls incomplete, if they do, a, something else happens and you kick that field goal, once again, just talking about that that energy that you have as a as a player, as a, a unit, as a whole team, having such a big swing like that when I forget where we landed on this. I assume we I th- I think ultimately this was still gonna be, despite them being favor or the home team, this would still have been a pretty I don't big... think I don't think it was an upset for if, if Waterloo would want. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you you do have an Ottawa team where despite being at home, their backs are kind of up against the wall. So when that happens, coming out of the half tight ball game and then you start to it starts to slip a little bit it can just kind of snowball yeah, just, before you, you, you blink and it's fourth quarter and, and Gray's cu- taking it to the house for the pick six and you know
1: yeah 100% I, I think you know even if the defense had stopped in there not necessarily an interception and Ottawa had to kick a field goal that's kind of a, a big momentum shift for the defense but an interception really gets the whole team going even though you know three points the defense is like oh we're hype you know we stop them, they're not like, getting a touchdown, they're getting three points. Okay, maybe they're up by two at that point, or whatever the score is, It we're still winning or the game's closer, but an interception says, okay, we stopped you, we took it from you, yeah. and now the offense is saying, all right, let's go score, let's, this is, I always think of turnovers as like, it's a free drive. You kind of go into a game, you're like, there's how many drives I'm assuming we're going to get if we run the clock this much, and they run the clock this much, and that an interception a turnover is kind of
0: giving you a free drive and kind of gets the whole team going. Yeah, no, I agree. I guess you know we we talked about, as we said, what's what happened to Ottawa late in that game, and I think just all those factors that we've laid out, sort of leading into, uh, you know, that 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 energy being kind of drained from them. But nonetheless, regardless of it not being an upset for Waterloo, they still had to get on the bus, they still had to go to Ottawa, they still had to take care of their business, and they definitely did, and. I'll admit I'm probably well. There's not too too many voices out there talking about <laughs> football, so it's not a large pool to begin with. But I've definitely on a few occasions questioned whether this window of opportunity for Waterloo it whether it might become a whether it can just disappear so quickly because we already have. I mean, Forsey's only in his third year, Ford, but we have Turnowski in his fourth year. I think Loms in a third or fourth year but it's just one of those things where I just if it if it didn't click this year and obviously they're only in the semis and obviously we've already laid out with how long it's been since they've been in a semi-final game that that is truly an achievement unto itself but that this cannot be like that despite it being almost the two decades they they cannot celebrate this more than that one that one moment that one night
1: no, Cause, uh, no 100% especially because the clock is ticking on them and not only that but they got to go to London and face Western who is well rested and obviously get, we've we've the narrative has been at least from some people in our studio and as well as people online saying all well, Western's not the dominant force that they are play one playoff Western is, is different and two again they're undefeated for a third season in a row you're going into their house for the semis somewhere that they've been a million times somewhere that Waterloo hasn't really been you have third years at Western who only know winning, only know what playoff football is like. It's a different experience. You can speak on that more than I can, um, but no, the clock's ticking, and now they're facing the juggernaut that is Western in Western's home, so I don't think, you know, they probably went out that night, and then I would say probably 9 o'clock in the morning they had meetings. Yeah, back to the The co- coaches probably didn't sleep at all that night, probably, High five each other, shook hands, and then went right back into the room and watched film. Well, and
0: you know, we'll get into this more when we go into the preview of the semis. But Bertoia himself, obviously, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure he did not blink after this game and thinking that he was going to celebrate. So I'm sure it was straight to business. But uh, you know, in terms of closing windows and opportunities. With this being the end of the year for the GGS, just wanted to go over some of the senior fourth-year players on their roster. Some of the guys that we've had the pleasure of watching for the last few years, and not to speculate too much on you know how this will affect them moving forward. But just these names alone, obviously have been huge parts of the team. So some of the uh, some of the fifth-year players include the likes of Donald Shaw toronto product from richview fifth year guy uh saw him contribute in, in this past game and this year obviously with him and Berger being the tandem backs really effective there uh Tom, thomas rollins on the offensive line carter matheson in his fifth year oh man what what a stud he has been um as well his uh, other receiving partner calem beaver uh he's gonna he's graduating as well thomas carrier uh at linebacker that sort of sand position cody cranston uh he's graduating or he's in his fifth year as well some of the notable fourth year guys for them uh, alex douglas rashawn davis jordan berger who's looked so good for them of late. Who's left and well i mean you know it's definitely still some talent there but it a lot of those names, particularly well, offense and defense, but a lot of those big names offensively, particularly the likes of Beaver and Matheson, in the receiving core for them leaving uh, next year. So we'll, ha- you know, it'll be interesting to see what type of, what type of recruits the Gigi's pick up in the coming uh, offseason and how they bounce back. The star with Bittner, obviously. Uh, I think he's only technically in his second year, but CGFL and all that business, I don't know how that works out. But I would expect to see him back if healthy next year. Uh, so for Ottawa, this wraps up a bit of a confusing year for them where I had a lot of high hopes for them. The binner injury definitely derailed that a little bit, and they played as they played the everyone's doubting us. And we're going to show you up card better than any team I've ever seen, at least in OUA action and maybe one of the top I've seen across any sports. So, you know, despite the loss, big ups for them this season. They secured the Panda back to back years, which, as we kind of talked about before, if nothing else goes right for you in the OUA for either Ottawa or Carlton, winning the Panda is a huge win. Any last thoughts on this GG team from this,
1: the year? You know, the the defense, again, I, I'll give them all the praise in the world. I would have... It's it We'll play a game of, you know, what if, what if Bittner didn't go down at the beginning of the season? You know, would things have been different? Well, obviously they'd be different, but, <laughs> you know, I think... And not that it really probably matters to them, but they definitely earned my respect. They went from a, a team at the beginning of the season that I said they're just a maroon pony and you corrected me in the color um <laughs> but gray. <laughs> you know they definitely earn my respect they're more than just a meh fence team for me but you know due to my list of concussions i'll probably forget all of this and next year going in i'll say they're another meh fence team for me <laughs> but for now they definitely have my respect if that means absolutely anything which
0: again for them probably doesn't they're on they're on to next season well with that being said the waterloo warriors are on to the semifinals. And they'll be taking on your alma mater, the Western Mustangs. We'll get into that game. But first, we'll move on to the other quarterfinal matchup. It was the other team from the nation's capital, the Carlton Ravens, traveling to Guelph to take on the Griffins. Let's hop into that one. Final score in this game, the Guelph-Griffins 22, the Carlton Ravens 17. This game was in the Royal City. This game looked like it was the Ravens to win. This game was ended on a blocked punt recovered and fallen on in the end zone for a touchdown for the Guelph Griffins close to the end of regulation. What an incredible game. I, you know, as far as the finish goes, as crazy as any game I've seen in quite some time. I think this game though played out very similar to how you and I kinda just talked about it how it might play out last week, in that we have two really stout defenses, the front sevens in particular. Obviously, for Carlton though, uh, we still didn't see Caser in this one, which is a huge blow for them. We'll get into that. We'll get more into that a little bit. But really, two strong defenses. Special teams. Obviously, Carlton's had a bit of issue in the kicking game throughout the year, but generally not anything overwhelming in that category offensively, the run game fairly strong for both teams, but the quarterback position was going to be pretty pretty important for these teams given that neither one that them being Tanner Dejong and Theo Landers, neither of them going to be the type of guys that the team necessarily expects to go out there and win them the game, but how can they how can they control, how can they manage the the game, play within their capabilities? And there was times where and I know you've really been on this, where for Theo, it maybe felt like he was pushing, or maybe, well, and, and maybe these aren't your words specifically, but that <laughs> he, maybe he was—he didn't, he didn't, he didn't—you know—he bl- called, he didn't you play called to a hero moment. ball.
1: You called a hero ball. Well,
0: so do you want you want to take this? No, or? no, 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 no. This is this is yours. So as we were talking about last week, it seemed like with these two quarterbacks, it can be. One or loss if one of them tries to play beyond what the team needs for them. And as we've laid out, these teams can win against most most of the teams in this league with the other things that do, they do so well. Not not even talking about the quarterback position. And there were certain times where it felt like maybe Theo was trying to force the action a little bit, got himself into some trouble. Now, on their offensive line, they definitely were having to move some guys around, which is definitely having me fretting about what's going to happen next week in Mac. So, but, I don't know, like, the numbers for Theo aren't great. Not a good game, but I just, I, I don't know. I, I think there's just a few moments that it just looked like he tried to force the action, force it to happen, but I don't think this was necessarily, if they lost this, I don't necessarily put that completely on him. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it'd be
1: completely on him. I'm not here to point fingers and say it is him. But, you know, similar to what I said going into this game against what I saw against U of T... And now we have this game where two fumbles and an interception from your quarterback spot. You can... Man, I don't even know if I can say you can do that against Carlton. <laughs> Let's be real. They were, Guelph was sweating buckets going to that final minute, and I don't think anyone predicted that a slightly low snap and a, a great blitz would really get Guelph into the playoffs. But everyone in the stands looked kind of nervous when, when I was watching it on on TV. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and they don't want to be this is a quarterfinals. It only gets tougher from here. Here's your here's your best case scenario is McMaster and then Waterloo probably for Guelph. And we'll get into the McMaster game, but those are two teams that you know, Mac has a great defense and then also a very stout offense and Carlton I we knew it was going to be a great defensive game and it was a great defensive game. I never really thought, other than maybe you know Carter and Ferguson really taking the top off and running down the middle and crushing that front seven. I didn't think Carlton was really going to do much on offense, and they didn't really do much on offense. They were just the amazing defense they were. And I was I was actually talking to Casser um, after the game, and I was telling him I don't think that their defense, even with him, it wouldn't have been that much different of a game. It, it their defense played great. Yeah, Carlton's defense played amazing. It's just really that one. Not, and I'm not saying Guelph's defense didn't play amazing, but it was really just that one play, and you can't get lucky moving forward in the semis. I mean, you can't. I you mean, can. you can't. <laughs> I mean, we, we've Don't seen, rely on we've him. seen yeah. we've seen Western blow a what a 21 or 28 point lead to Laurier, and and I'm gonna openly talk about this because I've been chirping yeah. Guelph for a while, but we've seen it. It's not something that's really gonna happen that often. Yeah, I you know they can block punts; their special teams are great. But shout
0: out to Baggio. You
1: can't. You can't <laughs> rely on that. You can't rely on luck.
0: Yeah, I. You know what? First of all, because you mentioned Casser talking about the Carlton defense, I want to just mention. I think I've been calling him Louis Kavanaugh. It is probably Louis. I don't actually know. I'm gonna stick with Louis. That's what I've been doing. Uh, but Kavanaugh. Uh, we've seen him step up in so many roles for them defensively this year when Walsh went down they had him play in that will position when Kasser's been down they moved him over to Mac. when they had both Kasser and Walsh back he went back to being the backup position and this week they had him back in the rotation with Kasser going down now his duties other than just filling in when needed at linebacker is as the long snapper and you mentioned the low snap and I've been a snapper in my life that by no means like atrocious at all, but I'm sure he, it wasn't I, a terrible no, snap by
1: no means. If the punt went off, you wouldn't have been like, "Oh, lucky you got that punt off. Exactly. It it was at, it was at his hip instead of, you know, between, I guess the sternum is where you
0: really want to hit him, you know, below the yeah. nipples in between the, belly like button. the, the, the strike yeah. zone. Generally. Yeah, exactly. But I just, I have to imagine what, and you can translate that equivalent of, it's not really your fault, but it could have been a little better. To any position, whatever that equivalent might be, and I'm sure whomever that would be in this position, in this case Kavanaugh, I imagine he's probably feeling down. Like, but whatever you know, whatever he's thinking about it, I just want to once again just reiterate how important he's been to this team's success, filling in at linebacker. You're such a nice guy. Oh well, thank you. You know, you always want to bring people <laughs> up. That's why I gotta tear people down sometimes. But nonetheless, um, I just wanted to mention that because that was the first thought I had when I, when I saw that is that, like you said, it obviously wasn't you can't put that on him. But at least knowing myself, I would be putting some of that on. Yeah, G. of
1: course you can't put that on him, and and I wouldn't want to say that's the first thing you notice. But also, you know, you, well, I didn't get a great angle at it, but I would assume the the tackle or the end yeah, wing, on whatever. yeah yeah who because Peggy went in there flying yeah. He went in like he looked unblocked. I didn't get to see the actual game film, just the the live broadcast. But he looked like he went on touch the speed that he had going in there, and so you don't know where that is. But then also we could easily say you know any small mess up from the first whistle to the last whistle can can change the positioning. So no, it's it's unfortunate that you know a lot of people are going to remember it for low snap block punt. You know, actually, people don't even know it was a little snap. I, that might just be people that actually kind of know football. Well, then maybe I'm just being an
0: ass by bringing it up again, and no one would have thought. No, twice no, no, it's fine. I
1: would, I would have talked about the little snap. So, so Louie, <laughs> you can, you can like Zach and hate me like all of York does. So, <laughs>
0: um, okay, where do we go with this now? Um, so we brought up Caster's name, uh, obviously not playing in this one, and that was, you know, I, I, I do generally agree with what you'd said that. Carlton's defense played so well as is that what could have really gone differently with him being in there, I, obviously no one knows. But you and me were split on our picks for Defensive Player of the Year, and obviously it's yet <laughs> to be decided who is going to actually res- uh, take home the hardware. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure the league talked to me, and I'm the official Oh. Vote. Oh okay, so, well, then, all right then. Never, I don't even know why we decided to make picks of it. Just I, just, you I felt bad for you. You
1: know how you lift these guys up. I tried to just lift you up. you. Came man. in here and stole the spotlight. Yeah, I really needed. But
0: <laughs> anyway, but this was so exciting because we had we talked about how good this was going to be as a defensive battle. And on one hand, it's Casser anchoring down the Ravens defense. On the other, it's Joe. So it's it's it, it sucks that we didn't get to see, regardless of what impact, from ultimately a team standpoint, that would have had or. For, for Carlton Just seeing both these guys Go mano a mano And you know f- For Job Like he Didn't let Didn't let anyone down uh, As far as his performance Racking up nine Solos Or pardon me Five solos Nine total tackles Getting a half sack uh, In the game as well Just be You know Doing what he does Flying all around the, the field Picking up anything That gets past that Immaculate front four Sometimes front three That they have So great game by him Um Yo, know, AJ,
1: someone steal your stats because it was looking pretty light. <laughs> it's just saying, AJ, you got one sack, four solos. Someone must have stole it or you didn't wake up in the morning.
0: I honestly want to go back through this tape because I remember the first time, because I rewatched it to put together a little highlight film that we're going to spoiler, hopefully try and put out from this game. And I swear, like, Guelph's only to- uh, uh, has four sacks according to the, the box score here. Six. No, only four. Where do you see it? A- Guelph? Yeah. Six.
1: Oh, then mine must and be. And 10 tackles for a loss.
0: Oh, this one. Okay, I don't know. We are
1: looking we- at the. Folks, we're looking at the exact same website, exact same page. Can you
0: just jump into your do better right now? Because I know what you <laughs> want to say anyways, and I know it relates to the organization that might be... Fine, I'll just, I was going to wait for the schedule. <laughs> OUA,
1: I'm bringing you back to back to back to back, probably third or fourth time. you got to do better. Do better. And I'm not going to talk about the stats. I'm just so tired of the schedule, and it would make more sense if we talked about this in the upcoming games. But two 1 o'clock quarterfinals, and then we got two 1 o'clock semifinals. This is ridiculous. Do you not want people to watch your games? Do you do you not care? You know it's hard enough to get on Yar TV where it lags every Yar. five minutes. Yeah, it's a stupid name. What is what does that even stand for? You know, but then consistently having one o'clock games, I put it out there on Twitter where that there should be you know two one o'clocks, two four o'clocks, and a seven o'clock, or just some variety. Maybe a Friday night game every once in a while. There are some I know, but you know every once in a while I'll have it. Maybe the thought is kids are going to be going out. Well, kids go out every night. Um, maybe I did this a little more than you in university, but <laughs> there was, not you know, Jack's on a Monday. Oh, man, I'm old. I'm so old. I can't remember. Probably seeps on a Tuesday. Just Jack's, a Jack's on a language. Wednesday. Anyone in London knows what I'm talking about. Uh, seeps definitely on Thursday. Friday's up for grabs. But you got to do better with the schedule. I sent it out. We sent it out on our Instagram, and almost 90% of the people agreed. We had, like, I think 80 votes out of 100 that would be 80% that's really bad math Dakota but (laughs) was it 80 votes there was a lot 90% said that they should stagger the games I know all the parents are agreeing with us You know, it doesn't allow for the option. I have to pick one game. There's no OUA red zone, which I honestly would be kind of cool if they could do it properly because NFL red zone really helps all the kids with ADHD. But (laughs) OUA, you got to do better with the scheduling, and I'm going to come after you this offseason, so don't think I'm just talking smack. I'm coming after you. Screw a petition. I'm going to your front offices. We're changing the schedule up.
0: You know, upon further review, the stats on my computer – do add up to six sacks, but for some reason at the bottom it only totals to four. So, but what? Why mine totals I, to six? I I, I see. It, I don't know. Maybe it's because my computer's older. I don't. I can't Are imagine. Are looking at Carlton? No, no. I'm I'm on Guelph. But, anyways, whether even you know even if it's six, I still felt t- go full circle back to the point I was originally <laughs> trying to make. There, I still felt like Guelph. Like it seemed like every other play, Elaine was getting after it. AJ was all over Tanner. Obviously, Tavius, the, the big sack to, to truly end the game, the last play of regulation. But just, you know, you can say what you want about, you know, worrying about the production they're going to get offensively. But I still feel like Guelph, that is. But it's like this defense can keep you in almost any game. The same way we talk about with Ottawa with the way their defense plays and I don't once again if I went through the numbers maybe Ottawa's defense they they I'm almost certain they do, they did score more than than Guelph's has this year. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, probably. But whether that's an actual well, factor includes, of...
1: includes special teams you never know. That's true, but I you know, oh, definitely Guelph cuz we're clean kick returns. Anyway, I'm going to
0: try. Well, we're kind of just rambling at this point, but anyhow, uh you know, this this game had me just so excited for how good well, both these defenses are, but particularly with Guelph, and not that it surprised me by any means, because I've been singing their praises all year long. But it just—if they have any shot, it's—it is this defense, and they've been living up to my standard that I've put for them as the top front seven in the league. And if they're gonna have success, it's gonna be cut be because they're having six plus sacks, they're getting, you know, the for- forcing fumbles, they're getting some interceptions, they're making some noise on the defensive end.
1: I'll I'll save my thoughts for our weekly preview.
0: But, you know, there's the, I got yeah. Okay, all, just, all, let's all, all right. Let's just move on I before see. I... Okay. Um last last point I I want to touch on with this game from f- surprise surprise from the Guelph standpoint was well, that no we <laughs> we saw Starcella back and he played the full game. Uh, but he didn't play the full game at his normal position of tackle. We saw him move into center, which while I don't remember seeing Ben Petrie go down with an injury, I'm assuming they didn't just decide to bench him at some point for poor play and move Starcella in. So if that is going to be a long-term issue, and by long-term, more than a week, because obviously after this week, if you lose, you're done, but that could be huge. If they don't have Petrie in at center... Obviously, Starcella can fill in fine at center, but the problem then, of course, is just the trickle-down effect where you're then bringing in someone else at tackle. You're moving things around, and
1: I didn't know. I didn't see it, but did Mateo get the nod the the rookie lineman?
0: I know he was out on a concussion. Mm, I don't. I hmm, I'd have to go through that again. I don't remember who. I think I, I saw Liam Lapointe in i one of the tackle positions. I, I'll, I don't just, know how I'll they, just I'll just text him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's gonna be huge for them, no doubt, because. The beginning of that game, seeing Starcella and seeing Woodmansey on the right side of that line, as they should have been if all things worked out well. Obviously, you can't control Starsella pulling his hammy in week one. But they were dominant. They were blowing everyone off the line from Carlton. It was beautiful to watch. So it's going to be a shame if, they don't, if they're not able to have their healthy O-line. But, of course, injuries have really been the story of the... Of the 2019 Guelph Griffins as is So we'll have to monitor that uh, Ziggy, if, if, if you don't text me back Before you listen to this And then you message me afterwards I'll be upset with you Because I know I have the facts That obviously I messaged you before this But that's besides the point uh, Any last thoughts on this one?
1: No, I think that's all I am I just sent out some feelers To find out some O-line information Now it's a race between you and me Who gets the information
0: first Oh boy, alright Ziggy Don't let me down, man uh, You know, once again Baggy logo, uh, rookie out of uh, I believe he's from Montreal, getting that block at the end. Um, you know, big ups to you coming through in the clutch for Carlton uh, to do much the same for their crosstown rivals. Just to look through the roster at some of the some of the notable fifth and, and fourth year players on the team that uh, we may or may not be seeing next year. Uh, Tevin Bowen, defensive lineman, uh, guy from Toronto. He's in his fifth year. So we definitely won't be seeing him back Or at least it would, it would be Behoove me if we did A really strong player Came on a little late in the year In terms of the production that he was putting up But always a threat there for them So you know, great to see uh, Or it has been great watching him uh, Play, obviously when it was him and Onyeka They caused just headaches for everyone Across the league Nolan, Nolan, nah, pardon me, Nolan McGreer Their center, another fifth year kid uh, he's been a, a stalwart for them for some time uh, Quentin Soar is at receiver he's in his fifth year as well uh, moving towards some of the fourth year guys the likes of Josh Walsh who you know we've talked about a whole bunch at that linebacking position part of uh, I believe from their Twitter they call him Swole Team Six is their little nickname um, so you know, like I said only in his fourth year so we'll see if he ends up returning uh, next year, uh, I believe Jack Caser also in his fourth year as well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he gets some looks CFL wise. You know, if he does, obviously he could come back. Jesse Lawson, the 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 great tackle for them, he's obviously been highly uh, talked up in terms of his potential out at the next level. Definitely expect him to get drafted this coming year. Whether or not he sticks, that's another question. Phil Loki, uh, stud receiver. Um, we'll see what happens with him maybe he gets some looks CFL wise he's definitely got the athleticism and the talent to, to definitely get some looks there um, I actually think I missed Chad Menchelenko as a fifth year guy there as well for them um, and oh Taron DeJong actually in his fourth year too I didn't know that um, yeah and then Jack Kasser as well Nathan Carter in his fourth year as well I won't go completely through because they definitely have some senior guys so it'll be interesting to see who's on this roster come the start of the next decade and as we mentioned with the GGs, see what type of recruits they can pick up to help bolster that roster. Obviously, a great program they've had there. Another team that's still looking to push through to get to that next level of success. But that does wrap up their year for the Guelph Griffins. They will continue. They'll be heading down Highway 6 to take on the McMaster Marauders. And with that being said, let's get into our preview of the OUA semifinals. Well, much like with how we decided to pick which game we talked about first in our quarterfinal review for our semifinal preview, we don't really have a determining factor based on schedule or anything like that, since as Why you... Why not?
1: Why not? Is it because uh, they're both at one o'clock? You
0: stupid... O- go ahead. I don't know. Rewind about 15 minutes and we'll get into your do-better again. Uh, but we'll go with the Mack Wealth game since we just talked about the Griffin, so we'll stay on that subject. Traveling, like I said... Down Highway 6 to Hamilton. Ron Joyce Stadium. This is a a week one rematch where the McMaster Marauders defeated Guelph in Guelph to the tune of 25 to 10. That was uh you know, that was a very interesting game. There's been so many parallels with these teams, or at least, you know, the two main parallels with these teams being that they both got new head coaches for this year. For McMaster, there's obviously the familiarity with Potasek coming back into the system, coming back to Hamilton after his time in the CFL and his time out West. For Guelph, Ryan Sheehan coming in from all of the success he's had out with the Calgary Dinos. And both these teams, I'd say the other big similarity is just how dominant their defenses have been. Mac, obviously, with a fairly pronounced edge offensively, Duick not just in terms of what he's done in his numbers but as we've talked about on several occasion what is occasions what is so impressive with the way he gets his numbers is not from having one go-to receiver or even you know two go-to receivers even though statistically you could if you were to line up all the receivers you'd be like okay yeah you know Tommy Neal Xander you could identify who who you'd expect to get those numbers but he spreads the ball out so well they got the smash and dash in the backfield, and you know that that offense just as a whole really dominant. Uh, what what are your takes on this? Can I just say who wins? Like I don't,
1: I don't know. Again, both both teams have dominant defenses. I we've agreed on that too many times for me to care anymore. Um, <laughs> but the thing that really stands out for me, and we just touched on this, is the kind of the lack of offensive mojo that Guelph has been displaying over the last two games. They haven't looked great in their last four games or something like that, at least offensively. Running, yes, but again, considering the potential injury to O-line and the capabilities that Max Front 7 has, um, mixing with the fact that Mm -hmm. Dua could go there and throw to 11 different receivers. And we joked about this before, but I kind of want to put the bet down. Just like, just do a complete a pass to more receivers than Theo Landers has completions in general. Come on, man. Well, I'm saying like, <laughs> I'm, what what did what did he have last game? What did it, it was sixteen completions or something like that?
0: Yeah. So, so again, going to throw to seventeen? Does he's not going to be able to
1: target that many guys? First of all, you never know. You never know who could be out there. But I'm just saying that. I, I, I think that Max is going to take this one. Is, it's home It's home field advantage. Yeah. Max is going to be healthy coming off again that well-deserved buy. They have maybe not equal defenses, arguable on either sides. Mm-hmm. You know, you obviously think Guelph, and I haven't seen Mac enough because I've been watching Guelph for the last couple weeks, but I don't know. I don't think that Guelph, Guelph definitely improved over the season. Mac has lost the last couple games, but again, head-to-head, Mac won. I know it's the beginning of the season and you can't really count that, but I think Duick's improved over the season. The defense for Mac has stayed steady, and I think the Guelph's offense has kind of teetered off there at the end. So if it comes down to it, you know, Mac's going to be able to put the ball in the end zone a lot more. So a few things.
0: One, and this probably, you know, the great question of something or nothing. We saw coming off of max buy in the regular season, it took them about game and a half to get their offense going again. There's obviously a number of factors that go into that in terms of opponents and things of that nature. But they're now coming off the buy. It's a different type of
1: buy though. You can't consider this as a regular buy. A mid a mid-season buy, you're saying cool Excuse my language, but fuck it. I'm going to go home. Like I'm going to probably skip a couple of classes. I'm going to go out and drink. This is a playoff bye. You think you think the coach is going to be that? You've been in this situation but before. Then, but then we're, you, but you've then been we're... in this situation before where you, you've you been in the playoffs, yeah. and as soon as one game is done, it's on to the next one. So but, this bye, they're preparing this whole time.
0: But we're also then assuming that the reason that their offense wasn't performing up to what we expected coming off the bye was because they were then slacking during the buy which i'll grant you they probably are more focused if nowadays. i if
1: i know if i know the mcmaster offensive guys like i know the mcmaster offensive guys and it's only just a few of them wait do you know the mcmaster offensive guys like i know the mcmaster offensive guys just oh. <laughs> some of them i'm going to say that they're going to take this by a lot more seriously than they did a mid season we don't care we're undefeated i guess they weren't undefeated they lost to western one time buy this, yeah. this is a playoff buy they're they're staying there they're in meetings they're practicing obviously they're practicing the other buys too yeah. but I'm saying it's, it's a different type
0: of buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, well regardless we've seen them coming off some kind just of pick a buy. Just pick well. Just a, pick well. Come I, on. Well, man, so the, stop, stop teasing us here. The offensive line thing the offensive line thing is huge. We didn't see them with uh, their two top running backs in that first game. Going back to that box score it was Kane Stevenson as the main running back for them. well uh, I've no, just just you know, think about it a little more. Oh, my I'm just going to pull up stats to to back all of my facts. I, I've I've gone into Ron Joyce in the playoffs before. It's not a it's not a fun it's not a fun time. It's very. What was good. McMaster's last game? Sorry, McMaster's last game. Who did they play? Carlton. Oh, no. Waterloo. Yeah, yeah. They beat them. Their offense look <sighs> uh, looked hot. But who did they play? Their offense like But who did they play before hot the bye? Did, who,
1: no, no, but, but did they have two running backs with over 100 yards?
0: True, yeah. Yeah.
1: A... Oh, boy. And then and then it who can throw to more than 10 receivers? I'm going to cry here, man. No, maybe say it. No, pick Wolf. Make... Go for it. Pick Wolf. It's going to be great. Um,
0: You know, you're probably not going to be out of the game because you suck, but I'm going to be there. I might not be there, and it is going to be because I suck. Um, Shout out Zach's work. Yeah. Uh. All right, well, then, in that case, you know Let's let's go Griffs. Let's I'll I'll lock it in for for my Guelph my Griffins. You know what? Defensive battle. They're gonna run the ball wherever they have Starcella playing, whether he's at center, whether he's at tackle, they're gonna run the ball, they're gonna slow it down, they're not gonna give Mac the time to be able to put up those points. I got nothing else to say. I'm just you you talk. I'm You're go.
1: nervous. We can tell. The fans can tell.
0: It's palpable. The
1: thing is, the first time you've really been nervous about a Guelph game all season. You can hear me shaking through the microphone. No, it's going to be a great game defensively, but here's the issue. Ottawa has a great defense, right? Yeah. They still got slapped up by Waterloo. Great defenses can get tired when an offensive force, obviously I'm not saying that Duick is a Trey Ford, but you have two running backs that can put over... The 100 yards on you, and you have a great quarterback that can spread
0: the ball, they're going to get tired. But what, what do we do with that Carlton game then? The car, like, Mac going to Ottawa and losing to Carlton. Do we put that all on the travel? Like, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to go back to that box score and try to remember all the things. I think Mac got really. I think, again, it's. When did they have the bye? I don't think Carlton was first out of the bye. It was UFT was first out of the bye, and that was that, like, 18 15 game. Then yeah. they went to Ottawa, played Carlton, lost. Then they played Waterloo. Here, here's the thing: you have a midseason buy. You have a you're a one lost
1: team. Yeah, you're you're like all right, you know, unless Western loses, we're just going to lock up the second spot, snooze our way to a, a semi final appearance.
0: Well, no, but as as you pointed out, that that game, regardless of the other things that happened, like I had said that. They, if they had won against Carlton, it was going to be a sure thing that they would have the second round bye but you would point out with the help of our our Waterloo faithful fans that they still needed to win that yes, game yes they still so they, they still
1: needed it yeah but... so it was, it was okay okay Laurier could have lost by 18 points and they get make the playoffs math doesn't always come into factor you you assume you're going to win all don't these don't you games. talk to me
0: about math Dakota no,
1: no fuck, fuck that <laughs> shit Laurier should have lost by 18 points no but I'm saying from, from a Mac perspective you're going into the bye you're going into the bye with one loss to the best team in the country, yeah. right? You're coming out, you say, okay, we got U of T. This is a slap. And then it's a little bit of a tight game. And you're like, all right, whatever. We're just, we're just rusty coming out of the bye. We're going to go to Carlton and we're going to slap them. And then the Carlton defense shows up and you're like, okay, we, we lost that one. That's a little weird. Those are wake up calls. So now they're going in. They, they, they pretty heavy handedly beat Waterloo, maybe not on the scoreboard, but definitely on the field now they're kind of getting it back together. This buy is different. They're not going to this buy saying, "Okay, it's a slap. We'll go. We're gonna we cakewalk to the 8th Cup. Like Guelph is a good team. Let's prepare and let's slap them."
0: I think I'm, the, I'm very
1: the- evenly matched defenses. Very not evenly matched offenses. I'm the bye week whisperer.
0: Remember go what for ha- it. Remember Call what it. happened oh, when we're, about- we're talking about. Oh, so we're the next game. You're saying Western's gonna lose. <laughs> well, maybe. Well, it's out of there. my house. <laughs> Oh boy! No, I'll st- I'll stick with Guelph. Um, I love this Mac team, though. The, uh, I mean, the defense obviously. We can talk enough about it. Uh, Blake and those boys, uh, but I, you know, you mentioned as well how well Duke spreads the ball around. A lot of fun to watch. Expecting a big defensive battle. Um, still holding hope that I will be there as well, but not gonna hold hope too too uh, too too much longer, given how uh, well the week is winding down. Any last thoughts on this one? No, All no, right. I've had I've had enough of this. Enough of this tomfoolery. All right, well, let's move in to our our second game. Waterloo visiting Western. Now this one's a rematch from what was it week? Was it week seven or yeah? I think it was week seven or something like that. Yeah. The wild forty five forty two final. We remember how it ended. Pellerin with the fumble. Legio with the field goal. Reminded me a lot of a time that.
1: I think it was a couple years ago, maybe last year, Guelph had Western and went to a double overtime game and then it was the playoffs and it was just something completely different. I'm gonna get out I'm gonna get out oh, of I, Oh, I not, okay. not last year where they just didn't happen. But um I'll just get out of the way and say Western's gonna win. You yeah. Know? Again with the good bye week vibes where their defense can be healthier, um, they can prepare They kind of knew who they. I feel like they knew who they were gonna face. And either way, you know, Greg Marshall's been prepping for Trey Ford for two years now. Probably, Mm -hmm. it's gonna be a great game. It's, I would love to watch it because I'm probably gonna be at the MAC game. I'm gonna miss it. Um, but just, I don't know, man. We'll get we'll get into this with with the questions later. But again, until I answer differently, Western's a powerhouse.
0: I I'm going with Western as well. I you know I'm hoping this is another you know exciting game and there's plenty of evidence to suggest that we'll but it you know you can call me uh you know say whatever you want but'm I am gonna lean very positively into the bye weeks for Western for this one reason being that when we look at this matchup Western was really banged up defensively which no doubt and on their defensive line especially and we've seen Dion Peller and put up numbers against a variety of teams. But he had 141, the three touchdowns, the fumble. But was, you know, we don't even need to talk about that again. You know, Westerns now had was it two buys in the last three weeks. So from that standpoint, if they have gotten healthier defensively, you know, someone threw us the great question earlier today on, on Twitter about what would be more likely for Waterloo to score 40 plus on Western again, or to hold them under 40 plus again. I mean between the two of those I'd probably still lean Waterloo putting up 40 plus just cuz I don't see their defense despite what I said about the positive things I saw against Ottawa I still don't see their offense their defense holding Western under 40 points but even still with Western's defense assuming that they're healthier from that matchup four, three, four 3 4 weeks ago having had this time off that's going to be tough I think this
1: game's going to be like a like a 45 27 or 45 32 with, we'll say, 11 points for Waterloo coming in garbage time.
0: How does, what, can you, and I'm putting you on the spot with this, but break down the, the scenario, because it's not unfathomable that Waterloo wins this. Like, it's not likely, but break down break down how Waterloo wins this game. Trey Ford. Just, yeah, that's just
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's that simple. And if I, if I put Western up against pretty much anyone, I'm going to say Western just because, their offense, their offense is great. You know, mm-hmm. We talked about Chris Mercer last week and how he's up there for MVP candidate. Um, Trey Humes can bust out any game. Uh, Malik Basinger and Brett Ellerman can both put up 100-plus receiving yards every game. Um, their O-line's great. Their defense is solid. Their special teams, Mark Leggio, has the record for most points, and they have the, he has the most points this season. They're the best, well-rounded team. Yeah. You know, again, Guelph might have a better front seven, and Carlton might have better, healthy linebackers, and Clay might be able to put the ball out more, and Trey Ford might be able to run the ball better than Chris Merchant, and there might be better running backs. We're, ta- we're talking yeah, about, yeah, the full. We're talking about as a whole. Yeah. If I'm on Madden, I'm scrolling through the overall rating. This they're they're the highest. Yeah. So is not going to beat them with a solid defense, they're not going to beat them with a solid offense or beat them with a solid special teams Waterloo has to have that X factor and that X factor is Trey Ford and obviously in turn with that, Dion Peller and Tyler Tanowski, like giving them the ball through Trey Ford but it starts with that snap to that arguably the best player in in the league right now
0: that's the only way they're going to win this or crazy turnovers
1: like Carlton, yeah. and go off, But I'm not gonna. You that. no, you
0: you can't ex- expect that. I, I, I mean, it's 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 funny though. You say that how simple it is, and I agree. Like that is, it, it's simple in the sense that, well, that's the if if it were to come about, they win. That's probably aside from any other scenario in yeah. which wild stuff goes down. That yeah, it's gonna be Trey Ford putting up. You know, four hundred plus in the air, hundred plus on the ground. Yeah, the we're talking like floor, a, like a right? five
1: seventy five total scrimmage with yeah. five touchdowns, which we've seen.
0: Yeah, we've you, seen it. Yeah. Which is
1: what the is the crazy thing. I'm not asking for, you know, from for diamonds from chicken shit, but like, <laughs> he's done these numbers. Like he's done these things. How much stock do you put in the Bertoya homecoming, so to speak? I don't know, man. How many times How many times have we seen a Western verse? Uh, ex-Western yeah. coach this year. Queens, Windsor, Pretoria. Yeah, well. he's, al- he's already gone home. Yeah. He's already done that. He already has done that 45-43 loss. Like he's already gone back to TD Stadium. This mm. isn't anything new. This is, I'm sure for him it's just another game. Yeah. At, at this point, he's been gone from Western for two or three years now. This is just another game. And Actually, it's longer than that now. It's got to be. it got to be 4-5. Oh, five. yeah, 4-5. Yeah, yeah, something like that. No, I have. Yeah, fair enough like it's a great storyline and you know but it's not like a passing the crown situation if Waterloo wins but it's just oh yeah he used to coach at Western it's been long enough now indulge
0: me one last question here and then all we'll, the questions and then we'll get into our actual mailbag section <laughs> where we'll answer your questions and this actually does relate to something that came up on Twitter again and to everyone who's been asking us questions out of the blue or just following up on anything we're putting out there I you know we've enjoyed the heck out of it. I, I'm certain you've been enjoying it as well since you keep sending us stuff. So keep it up. It's great having these conversations. But I'm curious, what just from a, 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 a from a coach's perspective, a former player's perspective, just a sports fan in general, for Western, and, and this is inspired by a question that Adam McGuire had asked us. For Western, you have on the one hand going into or going to the quarter final with the possibility of a few different teams uh coming to visit and I just want to talk about two of those teams being Waterloo who they're obviously playing and then on the other hand Carlton who they were a miraculous block punt away from facing with this Waterloo team this is the team that as we've talked about came into t d stadium place whatever it's called and narrowly you know, left with the, the narrowest of losses, right? Yep. And so for Western I'd imagine there's probably a bit of, you know, we, we still know we're better, but hey, we're not gonna if if we would ever try and sleepwalker or whatever you want to call it through a semifinal game, not that I expected Greg Marshall team would, it's definitely not gonna be about against this team. We've already seen them give us a tight game. On the flip side, if it were Carlton going back there, that was the blackout game. I, I went out there uh, watching that one and Carlton showed little to no positive signs in that game. So, I say all that to, to make the point of, for Western, or for any team really, just put yourself as, you can be the coach, you can be the player, whatever position, whosever shoes you want to wear, Okay. having a team that you beat narrowly come back to play you, versus a team that you beat very handedly. So, in terms of so you're t- saying Ottawa
1: wins and Carlton wins. Uh, that's the only way Carlton goes. No, no,
0: if Carlton Carlton wins straight up, they go. No, Waterloo was last. No, uh, Carlton was. That's why they were playing Okay. Guelph. You're right, sorry, tiebreaker. But anyways, re- regardless, but you have, point being, you have a team that you narrowly beat versus a team that you beat by a large margin, a large marge, if you will, what is the... From a mental standpoint, obviously every coach, every player is going to tell you you prepare the same, but that's a load. <laughs> you know, like, I'm curious what your take is on all that. It's tough,
1: and it's it's hard because just by the way, I have picking Carlton to win games. I've never got it right this season. It they've always, always kind of struggled with them, and I'm sorry Carlton because I picked you and you lost. Um, I think I think I want. I want to go against Carlton solely on the fact that I think my offense is going to put up points and I know my defense is going to not necessarily shut them out, but shut them out. Whereas the whole is when they face Waterloo and it might be different, it might be similar this week is that, man, I put up 45 points. I should, I should be clapping every team in the league by putting up 45 points, but then I kick them the ball and they go and put up 43, like yeah. they're I'd rather have a I know I can put up 20 and I know I'm not gonna, my defense is going to let them score than a all right, let's go out and this game's going to come down to who has the ball last, which it pretty much did. Came down to who had the ball last in the Western Waterloo game. So I'd prefer to face Carlton With that being said, again, with the coaching answer if you're asking me and you know, I'm Craig Marshall, I'm going to say, you know, we're on to Waterloo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that could have been Greg Marshall that, that or Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick <laughs> yeah,
1: you know he, they're kind of one of the same he, he honestly yeah if anyone wants to go watch you know when I think it might have been Western versus Guelph in the Yates Cup or a time before that there is a clip filmed by uh, Western's film crew where it's on Greg Marshall when they win and everyone it's, it's in the last second when they stopped it and everyone's in slow motion jumping and smiling Greg Marshall has a straight face, puts his clipboard down, shakes the coach's hand, and walks on the field. This man, like, I've only ever seen him really smile a couple times. One was in a in a, in a photo with me, which I'm pretty sure was fake, and the other was when <laughs> the other was when I, when I saw him at the Vanier when he was winning. like he doesn't he doesn't smile. He's all business. So don't get it twi- don't get it
0: twisted. Greg Marshall isn't the Bill Belichick of the OUA. Bill Belichick is the Greg Marshall of the NFL. Let's let's lay that down right there. That's
1: <laughs> a that's a big statement. But yeah, no, I think he would. He, if I'm a coach, I'm saying yeah, we're we're wanting this. If I'm a Western defensive player, I'm saying God, I don't want to play Trey Ford. He's he's crazy. If yeah. I'm Chris Merchant, I'm saying I don't care. I'm gonna score points. Yeah, and I'm gonna. It might be a little tougher against Carlton, where they put up thirty something, than it was against Waterloo's defense, where they put up forty five. But either way, Western's offense, I'm confident they're scoring no matter what, but I'd rather take the, the easier defensive route, which is facing Carlton.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, and we'll move off this, because uh, I know we have some questions to, to dive into. You know, it's, it's, it's generally, generally, in football, it's hard to beat a team twice, just for so many factors that play into that. But for Western, you never really blink twice about it. It's like, they won the first round. I said at the beginning the play- of the season, I'm like, I'm probably always
1: going to pick Western. I may stumble a little bit in the decision, but man, until they lose, it's been three years. They've lost one game in, in like five years, like other than playoffs and yeah. and stuff like that. But OUA regular season, they've, they're have they just dominant. So and the, I know this
0: is the playoffs now, but... And I we might be way off on this, but I know we, you looked this up in helping me make my who's back point. The last time these two played... In a playoff game, that was... I mean, we might just be wrong throwing this out, but I think we, this was what we saw. Yeah. 2001? No, 1999. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 1999.
1: 1990, it was what? the last time they played in the semifinals. 1999. Oh, yeah, yeah. 1999. Wow. That's... Was it was So, most of the players playing right now were
0: probably born then. That Yeah, that sounds about right. Damn. Uh, okay, so it's been a minute. We'll see, Uh, we'll see, Uh, I I don't even remember what the outcome was of that game, because I was uh, very small myself at that time, but uh, we got Western, we got Waterloo to reiterate in case anyone missed it, we are both picking Western in this matchup, and of course the winner will face the winner from Mac Guelph in the Yates Cup, it is crazy to think that we are only a week and a half away from the Yates, but of course before we get there we have to go through these semi-final matchups and regardless of who comes out of these games i expect slash hope just phenomenal ball games lot of history with these teams playing at least from what we see in this season and yeah expecting some great things uh not checked the weather for the uh southern ontario region but fingers crossed we get some good weather i mean i could just ask my echo if you want but now we're past that now (laughs) uh so with that being said let's Take this time to move into our mailbag section.
1: Alright, I'm gonna start it off for us. Uh, we got my boy Scott Clint here. Do you see any upset upsets in either of the games coming up in this week? I've I've already you know thrown my hat in the Guelph ring. To be to be fair, I don't think a Guelph Mac, no matter what happens, I don't think either of those are upsets. Yeah? Okay. They're both very again, evenly matched, teams, I won't get too into it, just rewind if you want to hear, it, but I don't think they're either, you know, they're pretty evenly matched. And we've obviously both said that Waterloo's not going to win. That would be obviously an upset. But, so Scott, damn. we got zero zilch upsets coming through.
0: Thank you for the question, though.
1: Next question I got for you. Yeah. Okay, let me pull it up. Just going through our DMs here. Define Western, and I don't know if I can because I pretty much coined the term powerhouse when it comes to them. Define Western in some way other than... A powerhouse. Put a face on the team. Are we talking like this year or? This comes from Tim Austin through Instagram. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about just from this year. He says, "Put a face on this team. Help me understand them as something that isn't a quote unquote powerhouse."
0: Hmm. That's tough because, generally speaking, the <laughs> words powerhouse. that come to mind is powerhouse <laughs>
1: when I think of Western. Um, you walk into the TD Stadium, and they probably still have its. Brian Marshall and uh, Bo Landry, I think, (sighs) with the black on black visors, and it just says "Protect this house." Yeah. So that again, powerhouse is something we're probably going to say a million
0: times. I mean, just to kind of arbitrary, not arbitrarily, but just throwing out like adjectives, like good. (laughs) You know, just the swagger, just knowing that. As we kind of said this year, they've come not come down to earth per se, but that there's a bit less of that. <laughs> Sorry, my, my cat has escaped. Please continue while I get him away. Just, uh, so not, not to say coming down to earth, but just how this year it just seems that teams are perhaps not as afraid of taking on the Mustangs as they perhaps were in other years. But just that idea alone of Whether teams are not scared or less scared, you know, I'll throw another adjective then, scary. You go face this team, whether on the road or at home, and it's just kind of we talked about the things that you tell the press or things that you tell your team versus the things that deep down you feel, you know, late at night, the eve before a game when you're playing Western. It's, you know, it's intimidation. So it's hard to put it down into just one word aside from (coughs) powerhouse. But it's just, uh, you know, the amount of, it's, yeah, the intimidation, the the way that you can just get into another team's head, which, like we said, this the, the, the somewhat lacking of that this year from previous years is what makes them seem more of a, a, a feasible target for other teams, but nonetheless.
1: No, 100%. And just to go on that, obviously, dominant, they're, they dominate every single game. If, I'm going to assume, I'm going to go off this question as if, You've never watched Western play. Um, They are, yeah, scary, dominant. Um, They they somehow just can't lose a game. But in previous years, it used to be you go in and you pretty much say, well, you know, let's hope we keep it close, but we're probably going to come up with a loss. And now teams are coming in there and saying, you know, let's really try and get a win. Let's try and squeak out a win. And Guelph almost did it. Waterloo almost did it. They're... I don't want to say they're beatable because they haven't proven no one's proven that but I don't know if you want to put a face on it they are if you know football they're the Alabama they're the I guess Bama's not a good example either because Bama's not even first but um, they're, the, they're the Patriots yeah. um, they're the best team in the OUA the best team in, in the CIS I'm calling it CIS because I hate the marketing for youth sports um, I don't know they're just good what do yeah. you call it? Western is good. The face is just good. It's just a, it's a neutral skin tone with two eyes and
0: a smiley face. They're just good. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird to to you know great question, but it's 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 kinda weird to think like how do you describe them? Like they're just if if you well balanced. Yeah. We go with well balanced, they mm-hmm. don't really have a
1: face of the team anymore. It used to be Will Finch. Yeah. You know, it used to be Joseph. Before then it used to be, you know, Donnie Marshall and Brian Marshall and I guess Greg Marshall, but they don't really have a face anymore. They're just like when you think of Western other than maybe Chris Murch, you don't really think of an individual player. It's not a Jesse McNair in, in at safety, it's yeah. not Fraser Sopek anymore, it's just, they are a well balanced,
0: solid team. And that kinda of leans like that kind of leans into the Patriot analogy even more so that that whole do your job mentality, that whole next man up attitude. I feel very much applies for them just as well as it can for any other team. So I'd say we've waxed poetic enough about the Western Mustangs just then, uh, just there, that is. Um, so once again, Tim Austin, thank you for that. And, and another shout out to Austin. We reposted his article about Jesse Lawson from the Ravens uh, of a week or so ago. If you haven't checked that one out, you can find it on our Twitter. You can find it on his Twitter, Tim Austin. Um, really great piece once again about a, a, a guy who definitely expect to see get drafted this year, whether or not he sticks uh, that's another, well that's a question that we'll, we'll discover in about eight months time, once again talking about Jesse Lawson uh, there but Tim, thank you so much for the question uh, feels like the mailbag's getting a little light, anything left today? We got Twitter, I do not even touch Twitter yet have we, we covered everything on Twitter? I think we did get Twitter, I'll be honest uh, I mean we gotta. Well, we got another question, but it's it's fr- it's from uh, it's from our own Brandon Mackey. But we won't touch on that one. No, if you want it, let's get it,
1: Mackey. Let's get it. Come on now. Um, hold up, hold up. Before before we get into Mackey's, <laughs> uh, Nick Oakley did actually. He he DM'd me, um, so that's why it wasn't on coming up when you were looking. So it's kind of a two part question. Coach of the Year Award, right? Mm. We didn't really touch on this. Does So the first part is, does Marshall get it because you know, they've won 8-0, 8-0, 8-0? Does he get coach of the year? If no, is it because he's he's so dominant? Sorry, if yes, is it because he's just so dominant mm-hmm. and wins all the time? If no,
0: who does get it in your eyes? Huh, Nick, you, I love it. You keep hitting us with the, all these great questions. I I think it's it's obviously I mean, you know it's it's easy to give it to him and not to say that that's not deserved eight no eight no eight no all that no doubt that that is you know very deserving of the team and you throw in the fact how we mentioned that it's kind of a faceless team in the sense that you don't necessarily think of just the one individual player but rather the collective that reflects massively on the head coach as well um, so definitely you know no shame in doing that you know if we go through some of the other contenders i guess the first one that comes to mind would be Potasic and what he's done back in hamilton we saw how effective their defense was last year um the offense obviously has had this big turnaround and with and with a lot of the same players so it's it's one thing when you just get a recruiting class in, you get some new guys or transfers, whatever it might be, and the team gets bolstered as a result of that. But as you mentioned, when you do have very similar, uh, very similar players on offense, and you just have the new uh, coach coming in and just just leading that leading that ship, obviously Todd Galloway joining the fold there for them as well is going to be a massive, uh, massive uh, factor as well. But I think he's another great candidate. Uh, Sheehan and Guelph, I no. I mean, I, I expect the future to be bright with him there, and it's been a very good year. But I don't think him. Um, no, I definitely think Potasic has has the chance to take it. I don't think Greg Marshall
1: should get it. Um, going another eight 0 no season, I think that's kind of a. But again, it's fair if he if he does it. Like yeah, why why not? I think someone who maybe deserves it but will definitely not get it, um, Tom Denison or Dennison right? The, the quarterback coach, the secret offensive coordinator for U of T, kind of sparking new life into that U of T varsity blues offense. He's obviously not going to get a six and two. Posi- two and six. Sorry, yeah. You know, I'm still still my head in the clouds, hoping, but a two and six co- coach who's a positional coach who's not even the official OC, you know, yeah, always yeah. goes to kind of a head coach, but. That would be why, like black horse, I bet five dollars get five hundred thousand from it, mm-hmm. sort of thing. But no, I think I think if we're if we're talking logistically, it's gotta be potassic
0: Yeah. I you know, I, I would say that another kind of dark horse candidate in that sense would be Breezy from Ottawa. You know we saw them offensively so many things happen, somebody let down so many surprises in terms of the personnel and all that. The defense was great again. They did lose some uh, massive players, Jamie Harry being the obvious one defensively as well. But through all that, we kind of talked about it last year, or probably last week when I gave them my who's back of the week. Once again, shout out to a Nick Oakley question in that despite all the adversity that they've had this year, they still wound up with a first round uh, game game. A first-round playoff game at home and all that. So having uh, Burzee there, the consistency that he's been able to instill in that program and the success that they've had, definitely a bit of a dark horse there. But yeah, if it's, I think I think it goes for uh, expectation. The the
1: results for the coach of the year is expectation, like divided by results or something like that. Right. You know, if any other team had got eight and zero, that coach is winning coach of the year. But you expect
0: Western mm-hmm. to go eight and zero, so he's not going to win it. Actually, you know the and I know you were never as sold on this as I as I as I was, but I still, you know, regardless of the outcome and how the season turned out, the regular season that is, I do not regret the the notion going into this year that I I could have seen Western go seven and one, six and two, and we obviously saw games where that very much could have come to fruition on top. You know, and and it's obviously a product of all these things, but you had all the different coaching moves as well. But the one coach that or not the only coach but the the one thing that was uh there all along for them is marshall was marshall and you know for the foreseeable future will continue to be him so um i wouldn't leave that contract <laughs> well I, I don't know about i don't know any of those numbers or anything don't like want to just uh, <laughs> someone um, sponsor us <laughs> uh with that being said is that uh i think that wraps it up any last questions anything we missed from last week i mean or- you have the mackey question but that's up to you if you want to Nah, we still don't know if he exists, so we'll just leave that for now. Um, but yeah, phenomenal weekend of 511, Mackie. <laughs> 511. We'll let you guys fill in the blanks of what that means. Um, thank you again to everyone who contributed, all the conversation we had all week long going into this podcast, everyone who gave us your questions uh, for the mailbag section. Thank you again. Um, phenomenal lineup of games we have unfortunately as you so eloquently put in your do better they are both at one o'clock um but nonetheless if you are in the hamilton region if you are in the london area definitely make your way out to these games um you know just the top talent in this league we've seen it all year long and now we are seeing it with the stakes raised all the way up and the winner goes on to the eights. Nothing more to be said. It's that simple. We'll be here next. Yes, one last point. Breaking news. Oh, boy. Just
1: received word on the Guelph O-line situation. Do you got a text? You don't have a text. And it's a secret and no one's allowed to know. You know I will. I will show you the text after, but it's a secret and no one's allowed to know.
0: I'm going to assume that's why you didn't text me back, Eric but you could have just texted me and been like...
1: And it's actually coach's it, orders. No one's allowed to know. I don't actually know, but I know that no one's allowed <laughs> to know. So
0: whatever, insider scoop, I got it before Zach. Well, all right, That's that That hurts actually a little bit, Ziggy, but I'll, I'll let this one slide because you're such a stun But nonetheless, we will be here next week with the matchup for the Yates Cup, who will take home the OUA Championship and all that and more. We'll see you there at the 55.